You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I am Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real TV and movie critics. And we are so excited to help all of you out there today with absolutely zero credentials. Shall we get to it, Rafer? <laughs> yes. Better living through criticism. Okay. <laughs> Our first letter is from someone asking that we call them Destiny Child. Yes. So we will. Yes. It's from Destiny Child. Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm a college athlete that's been foxtrotting on the edge of the friend zone with one of my teammates. We are both international students on huge teams, so dating is common. Being very senior players, we've weathered a lot together and seen the best and ugliest side of each other. None of these highs and lows have swayed the low hum of attraction between us since we met. However, I wouldn't trade our tight bond today for those day one butterflies when the attraction was all there was. Yes, we've dated other people, gone incognito during each other's online dates for safety, and treated each other to date-like outings, but point out hot strangers or talk about our crushes. Both in broad daylight and on nighttime rooftops, we've both said, I wish we would work together. Don't say that. It makes me sad. What am I supposed to do with that? If we date, I don't know what we would do differently at this point. We already live together because of our visa statuses. I don't see breaking up or sex devastating us just because we've been more emotionally and physically vulnerable with each other. It's like we are so used to being basically married, we wouldn't even know how to date. I want a concrete answer, but I don't know which one to hope for. <sighs> wow, destiny child. Um... Please say you're an Olympian. Please say that's what... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love the idea that this is being written to us from the Olympic Village, but it's not. I know it's not. This yeah, is, it's probably not. Yeah, this is somebody uh, who's saying they're a college athlete, not an Olympian. But um, Yeah, that's true. But I have heard a lot of shenanigans happen at the um, Olympic Village, so I've been told. Oh, sure. <laughs> there must. There must. How could there not? Yes, yes, yes. Uh so, Rafer, what advice are we going to give Destiny Child here? Well, this is very intense. A lot of emotion. 
a lot of, a lot of it. And, a lot of emotion. And I'm just going to say, this is a trimmed down version of the original letter, which was quite a bit longer. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. This, this is someone that I think may not have too many places to turn to, I, uh, uh, maybe, um, uh, writing that much about this. Um, yeah, I hear a, a, a lot of emotion, a lot of intensity, and, um, you know, maybe just a little bit of an inability to step back and take a cool, calm look at what's happening here between these two people. I do know the infatuation, the flirtation, it's it's the best part. The kind of do they or don't they like me kind of stuff. Uh, all that is very fun, very exciting, very thrilling. Um, you know, like this listener is saying, it sounds like these two people are kind of dancing on the edge of something and then pulling back. It's very delicious. <laughs> but I just, you know, I, I would advise this, I would advise this listener to... Try to take a step back and and gauge the situation with a little more uh, a little more pers- perspective, a little more objectivity. What do you say, Kristen? Interesting. So, Rafer, you and I've been friends a long time, and we've yes. answered a question like this similarly before. And based on my knowledge of you, my friendship with you, our prior letters that seem similar to this, I thought you were just going to jump in and say, "Be frank. Ask for a real answer." That's what I thought you were going to say. So I'm very surprised you're saying. Take take a step back. I'm very surprised. Well, I I only saying that because it sounds like um, it, it doesn't sound to me like anything is necessarily being kept secret here. Uh, it, it sounds like they have both said, "Gee, I wish we would work together." Oh, I guess we won't. It, it sounds like that's pretty out there. You know, if this were a case, if this were a case of someone. Uh, writing to us and saying, oh, you know, there's this person out there and I just, I don't know how they feel and I'm afraid to ask and I'm afraid to find out. That's what I would say. Walk up to that person and say something. Um, but it sounds to me like things have already been said aloud. Um, so that's why I'm saying I feel like there needs to be a little objectivity here. What Are you saying the opposite? Are you saying that, that destiny child should, it's very hard to put the apostrophe S and not put the apostrophe S in that name. Yes. But are you saying that destiny <laughs> child should just sort of press their case? I'm not saying press their case, but, but what I am saying is uh, specifically about the last sentence in their letter. I want a concrete answer, but I don't know which one to hope for. Destiny child, be honest with yourself. We know which one you're hoping for. You don't mm-hmm. need to be coy with us. We know that you are hoping for your teammate to say, I am crazy about you. I would do anything to be with you. Yes, I stay up at night and think about what it would be like if we could be together. That's what you're hoping for. And it's okay to be honest with yourself about that. Yeah. But it's also okay to be honest with yourself about whether or not you really do want a concrete answer if the answer is no. Yes. And it sounds like maybe you don't. Maybe, like Rafer said, maybe you're just enjoying the flirtation so much that maybe you still just want to enjoy that even if you can't be together. Because your teammates already said being together, don't say that. It makes me sad. Yes. But the thing I want to add here is I know you are going to be okay no matter what. Right. Uh, your letter is filled with other things that make it clear you're going to be fine no matter what. You're going to be okay if your teammate is a friend. You're going to be okay commiserating with your friend, looking at other hot people. So no matter what, you're going to be fine. Well, what are you what are you going to recommend to Destiny Child? All right. Well, Destiny Child, I am going to recommend a classic. It is now over 20 years old. It's called Love and Basketball, produced by the great Spike Lee. Oh, Yes. 
And uh, there's a chance you've already seen Love and Basketball because it is very famous. But if you haven't, the plot is this. Monica, played by the great Sanal Lathan, and Quincy, played by the dreamy Omar Epps, are two childhood friends who both aspire to be professional basketball players. Early on, the two friends become sweethearts, but in the subsequent years, their relationship takes a lot of other forms, including platonic friends, athletic rivals, lovers, and sometimes even something kind of resembling enemies. And by the time they're adults, Quincy is in love with someone else that he plans to marry, but Monica's feelings aren't completely dead. The question arises, should Monica say something to him or not? Here's a clip. I, I just saw Quincy. How's he? Engaged. To that stewardess. Yeah, you met her? Ugh. His mother had a barbecue a few weeks back. He can do a lot better if you ask me. So what do I do? Find out where they registered and send them a gift. What happened? You didn't want my opinion. I don't even know why you asked. I asked, but why does it always have to be so damn prissy? What do you want me to say, Monica? Go over there and beat up the girl? Kristen, you may or may not believe this, but I've never seen this movie. Not even some of it? Have you, you had to have seen some of it. I just feel like you can't turn on the TV and at one point in your life not have come across this movie at some point or another, right? Yeah, no, I, that's totally true. And um, But I've never seen it. And I've, I've seen, sure, you know, clips here and there. Um, there's, a, there's a few movies in this genre that, I, that passed me by. Um, you know, another one is um, 10 Things I Hate About You. What? Um, You've never seen that yeah, either? Yeah, I've never. I, <laughs> No, and I was really mad because my family all watched it without me one night. I came home from doing something, and they were all finishing up 10 Things I Hate About You. And I just thought, well, now I'll never see it. I'm never going to sit around watching 10 Things I Hate About You on my own. You guys blew it. So uh, we can talk about that some other time. But okay. Okay. Tell me why you're recommending this movie to Destiny Child. All right, Destiny Child. The reason I am prescribing Love and Basketball is for a few different reasons. First and foremost, because this is a sports movie that is also about romance. This is about right. two people who play together, who compete against each other, who flirt with each other, who do all of the above. And it's also about a woman who is on the fence about whether or not to say how she feels and not necessarily liking the advice she's getting from other people. I mean, you just heard that clip there. Her mom, played by Ofri Wooder, is essentially saying, like, just be polite. Don't go any further on it. And, you know, maybe Monica follows that advice. Maybe she doesn't. And you have to do what you feel is right. But again, I just want to make clear you might not get the answer you want. You already received hints from your teammate about how they feel. But again, I just want to reiterate, you're going to be fine. You're going to be totally fine. We know from this movie, Monica is going to be fine, regardless of whether or not things work out with Omar Ups. She is going to be fine. She's talented. She's beautiful. She's a great athlete. She's an outstanding person. And Destiny Child, you are too. And you're going to be fine no matter what. But be honest with yourself. Be honest about what you're desiring and be honest about what you're enjoying. That's why I'm prescribing this movie. But Rafer, what about you? Well, I've chosen a, a little movie from 2013 called Drinking Buddies by Joe Swanberg. Do you know this movie, Kristen? 
Ooh, does that have Olivia Wilde in it? Or am I mixing that up with something yes. else? Yep. Oh, it it's does. A, it, okay, yes. I have seen this. Yes. Yes. Little indie movie, uh, Olivia Wilde, um, who was really kind of already a star when she was in this film. And also Jake Johnson uh, is her mm. um, her leading man, Jake Johnson, who I like a lot. So it's a movie about four youngish people uh, living in Chicago. Um, Olivia Wilde is Kate. Uh, Jake Johnson is Luke. They are uh, co-workers at a uh, a craft brewery uh, called Revolution Brewing. <laughs> and they really like each other. And they're very comfortable around each other. And they crack each other up. They're both kind of slackers. Uh, they like to drink. Um, and they seem constantly on the verge of leaning in for a kiss. But they don't because they're both in relationships. Luke is dating Jill, played by Anna Kendrick, who's very nice and cute, but she's kind of a straight arrow, not really the type to let her hair down. She doesn't seem quite that well-matched to to Luke. And um, likewise, Kate is dating Chris, played by Ron Livingston from Office Space. He's also a nice guy, very quiet, almost a little mopey in a way. Uh, And again, it doesn't seem on the surface like it's a perfect match. And so we follow these four people as they do these fairly mundane things. They go to work and they get together and have some beers and they talk about uh, marriage and relationships, sort of. They help each other move and they have arguments. Here's a clip. No, you should come. We'll, like, play pool. Oh, right on. You like it. That sounds really cool, man. Great. Play some pool with the guys and then just see what happens. Play some. Don't do that. Don't be shitty, please. We'll just goof around with the guys. Don't do that. And we'll pretend like there's nothing weird about just going out with the guys. Why is there something weird? Because we had plans. That's what humans do. We make plans and we follow through. But if you want to go out with the guys and... Stop. Stop it. Then do whatever the fuck Stop. you want. You're not allowed to make me feel bad about this. I'm kind of allowed to do whatever I want. No, you're really not. You're really not allowed to make me feel bad about something. I haven't done anything wrong, Luke. You realize that, right? I, I haven't betrayed you. There's nothing that you can say that I've done that's wrong. I am hanging out with my friends. I agree. Okay, you may have some other shit to deal with. Don't, that has don't, nothing to do I with me. I don't want to have one of these big things with you. I'm just saying. I, I know you, you, I'm not I know you like the thing. Don't just, you don't have to touch me. I think maybe you should just go. So, so the, the, the director writer is a guy named Joe Swanberg. He's uh, one of the kings of, of that little genre that was called mumblecore. Uh, yes. That kind of hit big right, in the kind of early 2000s. Andrew Bajalski kind of kicked that off. But then Swanberg and Lynn Shelton and the Duplass brothers. And also Greta Gerwig, who um, co-directed some stuff with Joe Swanberg. Um, and mumblecore is basically just, you know, any movie, I think, that involves young people talking and not doing anything that dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, the movies kind of have a story, but they usually don't really have what you'd call a plot. Um, <laughs> you know, at, at the worst, these movies kind of seem self-indulgent and kind of boring. Um, but I think at their best, they're also kind of real and uh, kind of of the moment. And they capture these little, little moments between people that you don't see in big, big Hollywood movies. You know, little looks, little pauses, long pauses, I guess. Um, And the conversations like the one we heard, which are kind of dumb and sort of shallow, but also kind of fraught with things that are unsaid. Anyway, but I'm I'm recommending it because I think it fits uh, our listener situation pretty well. You've got these two people who are seem, they seem kind of made for each other, but they're not getting together. And why is that? Mm. Is there is there an actual obstacle or is there an actual reason why they're not getting together? Is there a reason that this isn't happening? And I feel like it I feel like this is a, a way to look at a similar situation 
from the outside. And maybe our listener might get a little bit of an outside, uh, a more objective perspective on what's happening in this situation. So that's why I recommend it. Mm, Rafer, I think your prescription is really, really good. I think that's a great prescription. Yeah. Well, thank you. So let's just recap from Kristen, loving basketball, and from me, drinking buddies. All right. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You do not have to use your real name. You can be Destiny Child, Destiny's Child. You can be Emily, <laughs> our in-house pseudonym. And while you're there, check out our prescription pad where we list every movie and TV show we've ever prescribed on the show. And if you haven't already, join the conversation on our Facebook community. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. All right. Stick with us. When we're back, we have somebody whose friends always seem to dump her as soon as they get married. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, what does patient number two have to say? Our second patient is going by the name TJ. TJ writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm a 28-year-old single woman living in an area where it's strange to not get married in your early 20s. I'm completely comfortable being single, and I'm honestly happy with the independence I have in my life. The problem? My friends always seem to drop off the face of the earth after they get married. I have put a lot of effort into making new friends in the past, but the pattern always seems to repeat itself. I feel like in every show I watch, there's a group of friends or a best friend who helps the main character through their life challenges, and I am tired of seeing this and craving it so strongly for myself. Is there a show or movie you can recommend that will help me to accept or even learn to love a life without needing that deep connection? Or better yet, one that can give me hope and motivation again for being able to find that deep connection with another person? I know I'm still pretty young and have a lot of life ahead of me to meet people, but after five years of this cycle, it's starting to feel hopeless. Well, 
I sort of know how that goes just in terms of having um, people kind of move on. Um, you know, that kind of is what happens in life. People, uh, you know, they, they, they get married, they leave town, they get a, a new job that sucks up all their energy. It's not just marriage. It could be any number of things. People kind of uh, move on. They get distracted. Uh, life sort of gets the better of them. Um, there are demands on their time. I know how that is. I, I, would, I would advise TJ, our listener, to um, maybe be a little forgiving of these friends and remember that um, they may not be able to give you, Kristen's shaking her head already, they may not be able to give you all the things that you want. Um, I, I would say this. I, I'll say this. I have um, people here and there who, in my life, who have wanted more of me than I was able to give them. Um, they wanted to see me more often than I was able to. They wanted to do this. They wanted to do that. They wanted sort of more time than I was able to give them. And, you know, it kind of gets to a point where you have to say, like, listen, if that's your definite friendship, um, then I think this is not going to work out because I think you want more of me than I can, than I can give you. And I would, I would at least initially, this is just one piece of advice I'm giving TJ. I would at least initially maybe try to be, a little more cognizant that your friends probably have other stuff going on. I don't think it necessarily means they've forgotten all about you. They might just have other stuff happening and it might be kind of difficult for them to squeeze you into your life. Kristen's adamantly, adamantly refusing to acknowledge even what I'm saying. My head's about to fall off my neck because I am shaking it so hard here. No, no, Rafer, you are wrong. You think? These are young girls who have fallen into the trap of my man is everything, my identity is my relationship. Oh, I don't know about that. These are people who disappear from TJ's life as soon as the wedding happens. And let's be real, getting married does not mean you can't hang out with your friends anymore. Like, what is the difference between being engaged to your partner versus being married to them where being engaged to your partner, you could still hang out with your friends, but now you're married and you can't see them anymore? Come on. That's not true. I'm a married woman, and I've been an engaged woman. And um, I will say that back when I was in high school and college, I'd see girl after girl fall into this trap. Hmm. And I can't help but wonder if part of this is not the fact that they're getting married. It's the fact that they're 22, and they're just acting like young girls do when they are falling in love or going steady. Well, may I mean, okay, this may be a gender thing here. I don't know. Um, my guy friends, we, I don't know, we just kept on drinking. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, but I want to say also, we, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't drink seven nights a week because now we had wives and we had other stuff going on and all these different things. Um, we had to cut that down to five. Yeah. So you know, uh, but I, I maybe this is a maybe this is a a man a man versus woman thing. I'm speaking in broad brush here, but maybe it's maybe it's a, a gender difference in terms of behavior. I don't know, but that's my I don't know. Maybe 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 you are maybe you are seeing something something in this letter that you have seen in the past and that I have not. Yes. And I've had so many girlfriends do this when we were either teenagers or college aged. Like, it's my first time in love. I don't have time for you anymore. Or I'm moving in with Jeff now. So see ya. And then six months later, they call me. Mm. And I don't think of myself as a super demanding friend, to be honest with you. I mean, Rafer, you've you can say differently. We've been friends a long time, but I don't think I'm. I don't think no, I'm super demanding. 
And I just think that, you know, I, I think your friends are the problem here, TJ. I don't think it's you. I don't think you're too demanding. I think these are friends who are young and not super independent and don't know how to balance things yet and maybe have thrown themselves too much into the identity of wife, maybe just a little too much. I love being a wife too, but that's not my whole identity. That's just some of who I am. I'm a lot of other things too. So TJ, I believe you can find friends who are capable of multitasking. I believe you can find friends who are capable of being (laughs) wives and friends, wives and drinking buddies, wives and somebody you go on a hike with on the weekend. I strongly believe that you can find girlfriends who are capable of doing all of these things. Listen, I do too. And I'm so sad that you're going through this. <laughs> I, I, I do too. Uh, but what I'm, all I'm saying is, I think you have to, this is something that I try to say to myself all the time. I think you have to remember how, what your friends are good for and what they aren't good for. You know what I mean? You have friends that are going to be there when the chips are down. You've got friends that aren't going to be there when the chips are down. I love those friends too. I just remember to myself, those friends are not going to be there for me when the chips are down. So I don't call them when those chips are down. Things like that. You just have to know and love your friends for who they are and and not expect more more of them than they are able to give. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, I will say this. I agree with you, Rafer. That, uh, you know, you have to accept your friends for who they are. And sometimes what they are and what they can offer can change. It may be the case that after the initial, you know, um, blushes off the rose, meaning once the whole pizzazz and excitement about being married starts to, you know, wear off a little bit, maybe they'll be able to multitask and be friends again, too. Maybe they will be able to be more than just wives once they start getting into the rhythm of life or, uh, you know, getting past the wedding picture stage. You know, maybe they will be capable of more than that. But in the meantime, you can find better people, TJ. Your friends suck. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Kristen, I'm so mad at her friends. Oh, I'm so mad at Kristen them. is in your corner. She is in your corner. Okay. I am so in your corner, TJ. You deserve friends who always have your back. You're going to get that soon. And we have prescriptions to help you with that. <laughs> okay, Kristen, what, what then is your prescription? All right. I am prescribing a little movie from 1988 called Mystic Pizza. Yes. Yes. I barely remember Mystic Pizza. It's been so long. I barely remember this film. Well, I just rewatched it two weeks ago, so it's very fresh in my mind. And uh, Mystic Pizza, if you don't know it, centers on three young women who work in a pizza restaurant in the very small town of Mystic, Connecticut. And it's common in the Portuguese-American enclave that these young women are a part of to get married very, very young, just like uh, TJ and her community. But the three women have other ideas. Jojo, played by Lily Taylor, essentially stood up her fiancé at the altar. Kat, played by Annabeth Gish, she just wants to go to college and study astrophysics. And Daisy, played by Julia Roberts, she wants to have as much fun as possible because life is short. And she'll have fun however she can, whether it's with booze or cigarettes or boys or anything else. Here's a clip. What? What are you guys looking at? You're three hours early. Yeah, so? Yeah, so you look kind of weird. What's up? Nothing, nothing much. You pregnant, Jojo? Bite your tongue, Leona. Something's going on. It's just, it's just that I broke up with Bill this morning. Oh, shit. No, it's 
no big deal, really. I mean, Bill and I haven't been getting along at all, and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I told him, and, you know, he got real upset and started to cry. But I had to do it, you know? Hey, it's okay. I mean, it had to happen. I'm fine. In fact, I don't know, I feel kind of good. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, Bill and I are so different. Everything he wants, I don't. The marriage, the kids, all that stuff. I mean, I really want that stuff. Real bad. I just don't want it now. I only remember a, a few things about this movie. One is that um, Julia Roberts was super sexy. Oh, she looks terrific. Oh, her hair yeah. is like peak Julia Roberts hair. And that camera yeah. person is all over her butt. I've never seen a camera person <laughs> love Julia Roberts' butt more than in this movie. All over her butt. We got to find that camera person. Um, that's funny. And the other thing I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a, isn't it a little bit ratatouille-ish in that there's like a food critic who's supposed to come to the Mystic Pizza <laughs> yes, restaurant? there is a food critic in it also. I only remembered that just this very second. I'd completely forgot about that. Here's the other thing I didn't know. I didn't know it was a, a Portuguese-American enclave. Is that right? I don't remember oh, that at all. None of these actors are Portuguese, by yeah. the way, as far as I know. <laughs> Maybe that's they why They reference being Portuguese all the time, and... I'm not saying that everything stands up, you know, to 2021 standards of yes. what's appropriate. Yes. Uh, yeah. But um, my point in all of this is, though, that these three women at the center of the story, they're really different, but they continue to love each other even when they get into disagreements. And it would never occur to any of them to dump each other just because one got married or another got into a complicated romantic entanglement. None of them see each other as a threat or as less fun just because of their relationship status changing. And I assure you, TJ, these kinds of friends are out there. In fact, most people I know who are mature adults are these kinds of friends. They like having varieties of people around them. They don't just want to be married people hanging out with other married people. They don't just want to be single people hanging out with other single people. They want to have all kinds of friends. And you know why? Because life would be boring if you only had one kind of friend. And your friends suck, TJ, but there are good people out there who want to be friends with you, who are going to be like the gals in Mystic Pizza. Maybe everyone else in the town gets married young, and maybe one of them will get married young, but they'll still be friends with you after the wedding. Kristen mad. Kristen smash. So mad. Oh, I hate that. I hate it. But Rafer, what about you? What, what are you going to recommend to TJ? No doubt it will be more nuanced and maybe a little bit less full of vitriol. Uh, definitely not more nuanced. Um, I, I, I know that I'm, I've been uh, saying to TJ, you know, to sort of... Um, uh, you know, give her friends the benefit of the doubt here. Um, uh, but T in that letter, uh, TJ, our listener, was kind of asking, I think, for a couple different things. It sounded to me a little bit like TJ was asking for a movie that would, um, you know, show that she didn't need all these people or a movie that showed her that it was still possible to uh, make a connection with someone and have a, and have a good friend. And so I chose the latter. Mm. Um, I know this is a rather male film that I've chosen, but I chose I Love You, Man from 2009. Mm, I love you, man. I remember seeing this in the theater and being so 
angry because there was a woman next to me who talked on the phone through the whole thing. Oh, wow. And then months later, I had to rent it and watch it at home because I'm like, oh, <laughs> when this comes out on DVD, I have to watch it because I don't remember anything because that woman. That's so she funny. Was a really long phone conversation the whole time. Yeah, I was so mad at her. God, that's incredible. Uh, people are kind of incredible about that. I hope that has gone away uh, with the <laughs> pandemic. Boy, I hope that doesn't continue. Um, well, okay, so this is the story of a guy who has no friends. Uh, his name is Peter, played by Paul Rudd. He's about to get married to Zoe, played by Rashida Jones. Uh, and the problem is because he doesn't have any friends, he doesn't have a best man, uh, which didn't really occur to him at the time. But now that the wedding is approaching and um, all of uh, Zoe's friends are kind of looking at her and looking at him and kind of wondering what the hell this wedding is going to look like, he's starting to feel kind of bad and kind of insecure about it because he, he doesn't have anyone who's going to stand next to him. Uh, so enter a guy named Sidney, played by Jason Siegel, uh, and he's this kind of happy-go-lucky type, confirmed bachelor, a little odd. Um, he's got this weird thing about not cleaning up after his dog, which is kind of uncool, but otherwise seems like a cool dude. And he decides to show Peter how to be a dude, how to hang out with friends and other dudes. Here's a clip. Peter's not a freakazoid. I don't know, Zoe. I mean, I think this is kind of serious. A guy without friends can be really clingy. Like, my brother-in-law drives my sister crazy. He's always like, when are you going to be home? Oh, where are you going? Can I come with you? But nothing's on TV. What am I going to do? That's terrible. No, oh, be on, home before Pete, midnight. Cause... Peter's not like that, please. He's just not like that. Just wait. But anyway, you've got six bridesmaids and a maid of honor. It's going to be a little weird if we're walking down the aisle alone. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. great. So who's going to be his best man? I have no idea. I honestly think that his best friend is his mom. This was peak bromance era, Rafer. This is when the bromance... Oh, my God. It was all about the bromance at this time. Men loving men. Men being able to say, I love you, man, just like the movie title. Just like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, bromance had already been a term, uh, been adopted, been rejected, and then this movie came out. Yeah. Um, so it's this is not a, a quote-unquote great movie, but it is a pretty fun little comedy. Um, you know, Paul Rudd is super likable, as always. Jason Segel is perfect as this kind of big, hulking, good-natured weirdo. Um, and it's fun to see Peter do stuff like you know, try to jam on the bass to a Rush song or like play <laughs> poker or play a drinking game or try to come up with a cool nickname for Sydney, which is one of my favorite moments in the film. Um, and there are some rough spots, you know, like sometimes it seems like uh, Peter has almost forgotten about his, his wife to be. And sometimes Sydney seems like he's a little more trouble than he's worth. But what I liked about this movie, it was a really funny, uplifting kind of sweet comedy about what it's like to find a good friend as an adult. Because mm. I do think that you kind of hit a certain age. Um, you know, even 28, uh, in some ways maybe, especially if your friends are all getting married, 28 might seem like, ah, oh, geez, kind of late to find a friend. But it's not. I, th I think it shows you that no matter what your age, uh, you, you, you can find someone, you can still put the work in, and it's kind of never too late and it's always worth a try. So I know I know that I said uh, to TJ that, uh, you know, she should cut her friends some slack. But I do think that a friendship is important. Um, and I do think it would help TJ. And so that's why I chose this. I think that is very sweet, Rafer. And I agree. There are so many other friends to be made out there. People you'll click with. Yes. People who will stand by you. And um, just to bring it back to Mystic Pizza for a hot second here. I think that at least for me, I found that a lot of them come through my workplaces. Mm -hmm. The gals I work with uh, are the people who I already know can multitask. 
they already love their jobs and they love their relationships and they can do friends too. They are not just one-trick ponies. They can do it all. So yeah, maybe that's one other thing to be said about Mystic Pizza, that maybe the workplace TJs where you're going to find your next group of friends. Yeah, that's kind of a good point. Um, okay, so uh, once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, Mystic Pizza, and from me, I love you, man. All right, we're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, thank you, everybody who has rated us five stars in Apple Podcasts. For example, Toledo Lefty recently gave us five stars and wrote, Rafer and Kristen have such a great rapport, and it's especially fun when they disagree on advice or on movies. I'd fallen into a viewing rut, and I'm so happy to have some new films to be excited about. Thanks to both hosts for making such a great show. Well, thank you, Toledo Lefty. I think that's probably a political name, but it sounds more like a gunslinger, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. It does. Run, boys. It's Toledo Lefty. (laughs) All right. Stay with us. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. We're back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week, Rafer. I'll let you take this one. All right. This one's from Sarah. And Sarah says, I have been loving Kevin Can F Himself on AMC. The writing is fantastic. And the way the sitcom and dramatic genres are mixed is brilliant. I feel that I'm getting to know the characters better than if the show was just one genre or the other. Are there other shows that do this mixing of genres? If so, what are they? I want more. What should I watch next? Oh, Sarah, I'm so glad you wrote in about this. There have been people on the Facebook community who've been talking about Kevin Can F himself. And so uh, based on all of your suggestions and recommendations, I checked it out myself and I've now seen every episode of the show. Have you seen it, Rafer? I have never even heard of it. What? Oh my gosh, really? No. It stars Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. She's the one who plays Alexis, the spoiled daughter on Schitt's Creek. And on the show, she is the long-suffering wife of a guy who is pretty much the same as like Kevin James on The King of Queens or pretty much any guy who's on any sitcom. (laughs) Okay. Like Raymond on Everybody Loves Raymond. And uh, she's kind of the punchline of every joke and he gets to be the doofus. And uh, what happens is there's the sitcom scenes where you see like a typical sitcom living room that's three camera. And anytime she's left alone in a room or anytime Kevin leaves the scene, the lighting completely changes and it turns into a single camera drama where you get to see her internal life and her frustrations and how miserable she is. Ah. And uh, you also get to see her plans of what she would really like to do to Kevin. (laughs) Oh, I see. And I don't want to give it away, but we'll just say he can F himself is what her goal is. (laughs) Okay. I love it. That sounds actually really good. It's very moving. It's very funny. And it's also just incredibly tense. It's very fascinating TV, unlike anything else out there, I think. I'll be darned. Okay, I'll give it a shot. K- uh, kid-friendly or not kid-friendly? No, no, not kid-friendly. N-O, she says. Okay. Right. <laughs> You're going to okay. have to watch that with Anne after the kids go to bed. <laughs> oh, that's that's great, too. We've been looking for uh, we've been looking for a new show. Uh, we've been stabbing around at some things here and there. We haven't really found anything that's grabbed us, but uh, okay. Well, what are you going to recommend, though, to watch next, though? Well, I don't know if this exactly then is going to quite hit the nail on the head. Um, but I'm hoping. Um, it is sort of a mix of genres. It's uh, a movie called Warm Bodies, I which I think this. you and I saw together. Yes, we did. I love this movie. It is a rom-com 
It is a zombie movie. Yes. And and it is just delightful. It's a delightful rom Exactly. Rom Zomcom. Rom Zomcom. Zom Romcom. Exactly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, in fact, I remember you liking this movie maybe even more than I did, uh, even though I liked it oh, too. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Uh, well, okay. So, uh, yes, it's, it is a zombie film. It takes place after yet another zombie apocalypse. But this time, uh, the zombie is our hero. He's like a young guy played by Nicholas Holt. He got bit some time ago. Can't really remember much about his former life. All he knows is his first initial, R. That's all he can remember. Uh, but there's still a little bit of his old self still inside him. He even has like a zombie buddy that he hangs out with, played by Rob Corddry. Though, as you can imagine, <laughs> they don't talk much. They just kind of grunt. And uh, one day he sees a girl named Julie, played by Teresa Palmer. And even though R is technically dead, something inside him comes to life. Could it be his heart? It is. And now... R, though he may be a rotting zombie, has to convince Julie that not only does he not want to eat her, he actually loves her. Here's a clip. What am I doing with my life? I'm so pale. I should get out more. I should eat better. My posture is terrible. I should stand up straighter. People would respect me more if I stood up straighter. What's wrong with me? I just want to connect. Why can't I connect with people? Oh, right. It's because I'm dead. I shouldn't be so hard on myself. I mean, we're all dead. This girl's dead. That guy's dead. That guy in the corner is definitely dead. These guys look awful. I wish I could introduce myself, but I don't remember my name anymore. I mean, I think it started with an R, but that's all I have left. I can't remember my name or my parents or my job, although my hoodie would suggest I was unemployed. Oh, Reefer. I love it. The not subtle metaphor at all of what makes us alive is our love. Yes. It's not our bodies or the fact that we want to eat each other's brains. It's the love inside of us that we feel for each other. So true. Ah. So true. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a cute little movie. And, uh, you know, again, uh, a mix of genres that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, the guy, uh, the director, is a guy named Jonathan uh, Levine, um, whose stuff I like a lot. He did Fifty Fifty, uh, a movie that we've mm-hmm. recommended before. He did a really sweet little movie called The Wackness, um, which I'd also kind of recommend. Do you remember it? Yes, I forgot about The Wackness. Yeah, a forgotten little film uh, about a young pot dealer living in New York in 1994. It's cute. Supporting role by Mary Kate Olson, we should note. Oh, is that right? I don't remember that. Yep. I'll be darned, Kristen. Um, I completely <laughs> forgotten all about that. Um, anyway, this director, I think, um, has a, a really nice feel for adolescence and post-adolescence. And you can see it here, too, in this film, even though the, the post-adolescent is an undead guy. And that's why I recommend this, because it's like a cool kind of mixing of genres that I'm pretty sure I'd never seen before. I can't remember seeing a film with a zombie protagonist. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was definitely the first time for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think... One of the reasons I like the movie is because part of the fun is waiting to see if the film can really hold that premise up. Can the, can the film really keep that premise going all the way to the end, which so many films can't? Um, you know, I mean, you've seen the we've seen humans fall in love with a vampire, but a zombie that's you know that's that's pretty tough. Uh, and I'm going to say I think the movie pretty much makes it work. And it's fun. It's cute. It's sweet. And I think it's a, a, a light lift for a Friday night. Well, I am 100% on board for that recommendation, Rafer. I love warm bodies. Good. I, I know. I know. You're uh, Like I said, I think you're a bigger fan than I am even. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> what are you going to recommend? 
I'm going to recommend a TV show that ran from 2015 to 2018 on Lifetime. These days it's on Hulu, but, you know, it switches up a lot. So who knows? Maybe next week it'll be on Netflix. Now, Unreal is a dramatic series. However, it's not just a dramatic series because it shows the inner workings of creating a reality TV show. Uh So it centers on a character named Rachel, played by Sherry Appleby, who's a producer on Everlasting. It's a thinly veiled version of The Bachelor. And on camera, Everlasting is the romantic fantasy that audiences long for, with gorgeous women in sequin gowns trying to win the affections of their perfect man. But behind the scenes, we see that Rachel's unscrupulous boss, played by Constant Zimmer, is constantly manufacturing drama in unethical ways to create the show's content. Here's a clip. Screw my friends at Vassar working at PBS. Face coming out could be seen by 15 million people. That changes lives. I mean, that's the reason why I wanted to get into TV in the first place. I mean, it's a huge, huge platform. I suppose I wouldn't mind if this crazy chapter in my life did something good for the human race. Am I right? Right? You guys. Yeah, hi. Okay. I've been praying on it. I don't want to fight it anymore. I'm in love with Amy. I want to quit the show. Wow, Faith, that, um, well, have you talked to Amy yet? Yeah, she's praying on it too. There's a, there's a lot to pray on. Now that you've mentioned this, this rings a bell, but I've definitely never seen it. I just think I remember reading about it. Um, but it sounds, uh, it sounds fun. It sounds meta. Oh, yes, it's very meta. And what makes it feel especially real is the fact that the show was created by somebody who actually used to work on The Bachelor, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro. So she knows what happens behind the scenes. She knows how to make scenes look exactly as if they're on The Bachelor. So there are absolute scenes where you're like, I I could just be watching The Bachelor right now. That's how beautifully manufactured the scene is. And then there's all the stuff when you pull back the curtain. What's happening with all the producers? What's happening with all the camera people? It's backstabbing. It's chaos. It's lots of things that really should not be allowed in any kind kind of professional setting, whether or not it's a reality (laughs) show. And the way the two are juxtaposed against each other, that perfect fantasy that people are watching at home, and the terrible mess behind the scenes. Oh, it's so delicious, Rafer. It is so yummy and addictive. Uh, It's easy to sit down with one episode and accidentally watch four. It's really great. Oh, that's great. That sounds really fun. But it's uh, it's not uh, not ongoing? It it ended, the series? Yes, it came to an end. I think it ran for four seasons, which I think is fine. This show shouldn't be running forever. Um, Okay. I think that if it kept on running... it would have turned into, you know, burning down cities and doing things that are just crossing the line into. <laughs> it was already kind of on the verge of that. I'll just say that. Yeah, that's what happens with shows. Yeah. OK. All right. That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, OK. So uh, our recommendations uh, from Kristen, Unreal, and from me, Warm Bodies. And that, Rafer, is it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. Oh my gosh, it is. You're right. I guess it's time for me just to go back to my husband and be a wife again, because that's all I'm good for. (laughs) Just kidding. You're so mad about that. You're so mad. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who wrote in. We appreciate it, as always. Yes, and thanks also to the Airwave Media Podcast Network, which we're proudly a part of. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Food with Mark Bittman and The Projection Booth. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.